0: Salve a tutti, mi chiamo Stefano De Pirro e state ascoltando Functional Tennis Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 35 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week we speak to Italian Stefano De Pirro. Stefano is Dennis Shepovalov's full-time physio. He tells us why and how he got into the physio world and how he ended up in tennis. He goes through Dennis's match day routine. He also tells us why Dennis has the perfect body for tennis. And he also tells us about his I Love Monday Morning post, which is how I found out about Stefano a few years ago. It's a great episode and great to see his perspective on the Pro Tour. If you're new to the podcast, I'm Fabio Molli, your host. You'll mainly find me over at our Instagram account Functional Tennis. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button. Shout out to our podcast sponsors, Head. You're amazing. And let's hear Stefano. Ciao Stefano, come stai?
0: Tutto bene, grazie. Grazie mille.
1: Great to have you on the podcast. That's about as far as my Italian will go today or else everybody will unsubscribe. I'm sure there's a few Italian listeners in there, but I'm not sure how many, so let's stick to English. Great to have you on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Where are you today? Today I'm in Rotterdam, Netherlands.
1: Okay, great. So, you're getting ready for round 1?
0: Yeah, actually, we are playing in a few hours against Dimitrov. It's going to be a toughest round.
1: So, tell me, so you're playing Dimitrov today. This is really exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great match to see like two of the best uh, one-hand backhand we have on tour. Uh, it's it's a great first round.
1: It's very exciting. As you said, you're Dennis's physio. What's your plan today? how did the day start out for you two guys?
0: So right now is about 2.30 in the afternoon, so we already had our morning routine, which consists in uh, a passive mobilization. So this will take about 30 minutes. We do this every day uh, in the morning, and it's just, let's say, a way to wake up his body in a passive way. So I will move all the joint. Uh, of passive stretch uh, and uh, we already done a little bit of uh, work in the gym here so since like the match is scheduled for 7 30 this evening we don't want that he stay all day let's say without doing nothing so like a small activation in the gym this morning as well, after the mobilization, other thirty minutes, so total of one hour. We just finished lunch, a little bit rest before going on site, and we're gonna warm up again around five o'clock, and the match seven thirty.
1: Okay, and you do you did that off site today, the mobilization and the gym work.
0: Yes. I did both. Like at at the moment, uh, the traveling team is um, just uh, Dennis, uh, me, and of course, the, the, the tennis coach. We do not have like a traveling fitness coach at the moment, although we have a fitness coach who's helping us for. Uh, let's say the preseason or whatever we want to prepare a little bit before a tournament and during the summer.
1: And does it make a difference not having a traveling trainer, physical trainer?
0: Not too much, to be honest. Uh, we we did have last year, and of course it's it's helpful and it's it's great, but it does not make this a huge difference. Like I will say, maybe not because it's my job, but I will say that not having it not having like a physio traveling with you, it can make a huge difference. The fitness coach, I mean, let's face it, it does not need uh, so much amount of fitness this week and neither next week. But uh, of course, you know, before Indian Wells, OK, this is a moment where you want to do a little bit more fitness.
1: That actually makes sense. I did speak to, a while ago to Sebastian Durand, who is Dimitrov's uh, physical trainer and which funny enough okay. and he I was like how often do you travel with Dimitrov and he goes he doesn't travel that often with him and even grand slams he's not really there during the grand slams maybe at in the early rounds but then he goes home because he says his work is done and there's nothing he can do to make Dimitrov fitter that closer so i fully understand what you're saying and how your role can be a lot more important than a physical trainer during tournament weeks
0: Yeah, my job is more like a lot of times, you know, like it's uh, actually the more deep you go in the tournament, the more need you have of of a physio. So and then you never know, you know, it can be also like in the middle of the week. And if something happens, you know, I have a pain in the shoulder. My knee is bothering me. You want to have somebody who is right there to check at the moment what's going on. If it's dangerous to continue playing, if it's better, you know, to do some treatment to do to have some rest. uh, It's different than the the, the job of the fitness trainer.
1: Yeah, no, I can see that. And is there many physios out there who are also fitness trainers or if you're really good at something, you'll only do the one thing. You can't be a master of both things.
0: Let me think. Uh, Definitely there are. At the moment, uh, I cannot think of any, but uh, because sometimes, you know, there is like a small line between, uh, you know, like a fitness and a physio. And I know, for example, like many professionals who are traveling on tour, who are like both, they have like a, a degree in physiotherapy and a an degree in, uh, in fitness training. And uh, there is for sure one guy that I know really good. His name is Daniel and he's uh, traveling now with Maria Sakari, and uh, he's uh, a great physio and a great fitness coach. So in this case, I mean, you don't need the two person. Like He can do in a very great way both jobs.
1: Okay, yeah. It could be a cost-saving measure for the player as well. And it also keeps the physio slash trainer very busy, I'd say.
0: It can be good for the player for save some money. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as, as I said earlier, um, there is like some weeks where the fitness coach is not that busy. So if you if you are able to do both jobs, it's of course it's like it's better.
1: Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So your day starts off, as you said, with some mobilization work, and then you do some gym work, light weights. Is it?
0: I do it. So basically, it's like the the tennis player will be on the massage bed, and I will start uh, moving all the joint and uh, like muscle in a passive way so he doesn't have to do anything he just have to lie down and stay relaxed i will basically check if everything is okay if i see any muscle tension if any sound in a joint uh, this is like purpose number 1 purpose number 2 is uh, is a sort of warm up and like usually we when you say warm up you are thinking about doing uh, your routine uh, in the gym or in on in tennis court but this is like a more active warm up. This is like level before. So you don't actually do anything but I warm up for you. It's a very soft way to do the warm up. But in my field, for preventing injuries, this is like an extra step. So, you know, we do really want to make sure that no injuries will come. So this is like an extra measurement to to prevent injury. So we do this every single day.
1: Okay. So whether Dennis is practicing or whether he's just having a gym day or whether he's playing a match, you do this every single day?
0: Every single day, maybe during day off, of course, you know, no, but practice day, match day, I'm there in the morning, 30 minutes to do that.
1: Great. And so then it moves into, you say, a small gym session
0: yes so the gym it's uh, very there's uh, so many things who can change uh, for example today uh, the match can be at 12 the match can be at 730 so of course you know if the match will be at 12 no gym required match at 730 there is a long day ahead so Let's do some work in the gym just to keep the body activated, just to wake up a little bit more the body. Something that I noticed with like my experience in professional tennis is like that late match can be very tricky. And if you don't do anything during the day, somehow the body will arrive more tired in the evening compared to if you do something a little bit uh, small during the day. So trying to avoid that, let's try a way to activate the body today. So nothing really specific today, just very general. So we start with uh, a little bit of very light cardio, let's say 10 minutes, and some uh, Posture exercise, some core, and, and then we finish with something a little bit more faster, some movement, uh, something more specific for tennis. So some uh, some side steps, some uh, some shuffles, some uh, something a little bit more energetic. But overall, not more than 30 minutes.
1: Okay, so you're getting the heart moving, you're getting the you're getting the body moving, nothing too strenuous, and then you take a bit of a break, you get some food. And then it moves on.
0: Yes, of course. Then uh, lunchtime, so a little bit of carbs, some pasta. And um, we're lucky here next to the hotel, there is like a good Italian restaurant, so pasta is on the menu. And uh, we're going to head uh, uh, to the site uh, about like 3.30, 4 o'clock, and we, we're going to warm up tennis now at 5 o'clock. And who are you warming up with today? Uh, Bopan, Rohan Bopana, uh, which Spartan. is also, yeah, double partner and a very good friend of us.
1: Great. We had Rohan on the podcast, I bet, three months ago. He's really nice.
0: He's super nice. Really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: you warm up with Rohan and then after that, it's go get a shower and
0: get focused. Yeah, shower, get ready, focus. Focus on uh, on the match, talking a little bit with the coach if there is anything to focus on uh, and then uh, showtime.
1: Great. So you're expecting a tough match tonight with Dimitrov in the battle of the sexy backhands. So what's the plan after that? What happens, win or lose?
0: Win or lose uh, is going to be a cool down uh, and uh, stretching and then a treatment in the hotel room so i always travel with my massage bed so i'm able to have like let's say my office in the hotel room and then uh, usually the treatment is also like it depends about how long was the match how's gonna be the schedule of the next day of course if you win if you lose and uh, this can take from a minimum of one hour to a maximum of two. Like I try never to go over two hours because it's, it's also also workout. It's not that you have to do anything like you as a player, but stay there. It's uh, it's also like not um, not the best for the player if you stay too long. So also you want to rest in 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 other way. So like a lot of people think about, you know, like how oh, receiving a massage is like uh, super extra relaxing, but in a way is also not so because you your mind and body has to stay there. So I try to keep it things between one hour and maximum two hours.
1: That's, that's a long time because if he's, let's say he's playing at seven or half, seven, two hour match, two could be longer. So you're looking at nearly 10 o'clock.
0: One year ago in Miami, we played Tsitsipas and uh, because of some rain delay, we started the match very late uh, and the match was a free set, uh, tiebreaker, finish at 2am in the morning. So once we came back uh, and do everything, we finish everything at 4am.
1: Oh, yeah, too long, you know, and I think no matter how much fizzy you have, you'll always wake up, you'll always wake up tired in the morning.
0: But yeah, so that's uh, that's what we do after a match. And of course, it also depends. So if he wins, uh, you don't want to do, let's say, too much deep massage because he will relax too much the muscle. Of course, you know, checking what happened during the match, if something in particular bother him like I don't know shoulder the knee the hip the back uh, can be everything tennis is very global sport uh, so it can affect every joint every kind of muscle and uh, focus on that let's say he won but I don't know his shoulder was bother him okay let's spend a little bit extra time to check why your shoulder bothers you like what happened it was just a small window during the match it was all the match uh, and uh, that's uh, that's something that you have to focus on.
1: Important. I know you don't know what knocks they're going to get throughout the match or throughout the day, so you can't guarantee what you're going to work on. I've read online that you said Dennis has the perfect body.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has a very great body. That's uh, that's for sure.
1: Break it down. What makes him have the perfect body for tennis?
0: First of all, he has a very explosive body, which uh, it's great. For such explosive sport as tennis, he is uh, very flexible. So his uh, his chest range, his shoulder range is uh, very, very big. Probably the biggest I ever seen in a tennis player. Of course, uh, if you are talking about you know hitting like we were talking about one hand backer before, the more range you have, uh, the more speed you can generate with your racket and uh, that's that's the case of Dennis on top of that i notice as a physiotherapist everybody has uh, like say a bigger or less tendency to injury in Dennis case he has a kind of talent of let's say not get injured like his recovery time is very very fast And uh, so far, we didn't really face any very big injury, big event, or big trauma who can say compromise his uh, his yearly schedule. So, and this is also a body talent. I treat and I see in many professional tennis players, and uh, you always see. Somebody who has, like, a bigger tendency to get injured, you know, because the muscle is a little bit more tight because the body doesn't recover as quick as it should. In Dennis' case, you put the explosivity stuff, you put the flexibility, and then you put, you know, like a very fast recovery. All these combined, for me, it makes the perfect body for tennis.
1: You say he's the most flexible player you've come across. For a tennis player?
0: In the upper body, 100%. Uh, lower body, not, but upper body is the most flexible i ever seen.
1: Is that natural or is this something he's worked on since he was a junior?
0: I think, uh, I mean, for flexibility, definitely is a little bit both. I don't think Dennis ever worked specifically to get that flexible. I think he was like born like this.
1: How much is that of age? He's only He's only 20.
0: He's only a young guy. 21, so only a few months.
1: Okay, surely that helps, like, the recovery.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, of course, he's young. I work with players of his age and they have uh, a much slower recovery. So also this, like, is, uh, you can, uh, let's say you can address your body to have uh, the best recovery possible and the faster recovery possible. And this goes through good routines, this goes through alimentation, nutrition. It goes genetics, of course. Uh, In Danny's case, I think, you know, also genetics plays a very big role and uh, it definitely helps a lot. Like we were talking about finish match late, but if he wins, he has to play. It's not this case tomorrow. Tomorrow, win or lose, we're going to have a day off. But let's say we have like, this is not Monday, it's Wednesday or Thursday, and we have to play for sure on Friday. Of course, the quickest you recover, the more ready you will be for the next match, and in that case, it will be still a difficult match because it can be a quarter final, a semi final. So even a tougher opponent. That uh, is a huge advantage. So yeah, it's true. Like he's a young guy, he will recover much faster than a guy in his thirties. But also compared to people of his age, he he recovers very fast.
1: I'm sure there's guys like Dennis, maybe not as good as him, but. Upcoming, and they don't realize the importance of the recovery exercises. Your job as a physio and they only think about it when they're much older when, oh, maybe we should have done that. So sometimes even I find at the young age, you may not think you need it, but by doing it in the early ages really pays off when you're older also.
0: Definitely pays off. Of course, you know, like now the tendency, luckily, it changed compared to 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Before, of course, uh, tennis also didn't have, uh, let's say, the money that uh, there is in tennis right now. So now a tennis player makes much more money than 15 years ago. And uh, of course, you can afford uh, uh, an extra person. your team like a physiotherapist but uh, something that i i heard a lot from people who say just retired or like they they're in their 30s 40s and they were professionals before everybody wished to have a physio from the beginning not just from when they need, because that's basically my job. I'm here in Rotterdam and I'm working, but it's not because Dennis has injuries or has any problem. I'm just here to make sure he will have the longest career possible. That's my job. So a lot of people now are investing in, in this. It, it is an investment. The longer you can play, the more successful you might he might become. Look at the top three Roger is 38 and is uh, still a one of the best tennis players at the moment, is number three. Rafa Nadal is uh, 1986, so he's 34 this year. And uh, i finished the year number one. And Novak Djokic is just one year younger than him. And uh, all three, they are like all over 30. When I was a kid and I was playing, I'm the same age of Rafa. When I was a kid and I was playing, being 30 will be considered, you know, like a grandpa. You have to retire. Nobody will play in, in the 30. Now the, the best pre-players in the world, they are over 30. It's crazy. They're amazing how good they are. and It's amazing, but also they, all three, they invest a lot before, also because they could afford it because they were already very successful, but they invest a lot in their body, in their professional who like take care of their body even injury or not to make this body the more prevention they could have and that's the result after 10 years great to see the younger
1: guys now following those guys saying okay well these guys you know they had a team early on that helped them out they're a bit like it's your insurance really
0: yeah it is an insurance and it is an investment
1: that's an exciting day Did you know we have over 170 great episodes with coaches, players, trainers and experts working at the highest level of the game? Tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the latest episodes of the podcast. And to listen to our great back catalogue of episodes with the biggest game changers in tennis, go to functionaltennispodcast.com. And interesting there, we're probably going about this podcast the wrong way around. We were meant to get to your day, but I'm going to just ask you now, how did you get into physio, Stefano?
0: so i i was always in into sports and i was playing tennis when i was a kid not uh, let's say high level but i i like it but i always be like um, passionate about about sport and about tennis when i finished high school uh, i decided to to study at university and uh, but i didn't study physiotherapy because to have access to the physiotherapy the class, you have to pass the test, and it's really tough to enter. So the first year, I didn't pass the test, so I studied fitness training or sports science. I, I don't know the equivalent of uh, translation in Italian, but I I studied to become a fitness coach. Uh, it was very nice. I liked it. I was very passionate about it and so i keep studying that uh, and it's a a three-year course so the last year i was like very close to finish it Uh, we did like a class of uh, sport injury and uh, i just fell in love with the way that the professor was uh, let's say explaining the class i don't know i was very into it and uh, that's When I start thinking and says, okay, you know, like maybe after I finish this, uh, instead of uh, becoming like a fitness trainer, fitness coach, maybe I can study physiotherapy. Like it was like, let's say, my original plan and then became a sports physiotherapist because I already have like a very solid base in sports science. And so I did. So I I finished for science and uh, I passed the test for physiotherapy and I started studying physiotherapy. So uh, this means other three years of university and uh, right after physiotherapy, I was lucky enough to start in tennis.
1: How did you get into tennis?
0: So I told you it's uh, three years of sports science and three years of physiotherapy. So this is already six years in the university and this was, was like starting counting let's say on on my wallet Hmm. and also on my parents wallet because this is like six years of uh, university means it's six years of you not working and uh, living not in your city because i come from a very small town in Tuscany so i have to move in a bigger city to study at the university so um, i have to get you know like a job somewhere while i was uh, studying physiotherapy i went for a job in a local tennis club so i was studying in a place called biterbo which is one hour distant from rome and uh, i asked the the local tennis club there if if i could help any any sort of help i need a little bit you know like extra money after after class when i went there like to for for asking you know like they they figured out that i was studying physiotherapy so and they figured that i mean like while talking says okay you know so you can play tennis you were playing tennis when you were younger so like this year we have like a lot of kids maybe you can help us you know like on on court you know if you just have to feed the ball the like the main coach you know like we'll check the technique and everything but you can help us on court say, sure no problem but i think they want him there because they knew that i was like the last year of physiotherapy so you know an extra opinion you know if some older player you know gets gets injured it's not bad. So I worked for 1 year while I was still still finishing physiotherapy in that club. And uh, at the end of the year, like so at the start of the summer, the main guy of the club says, look, we're going to organize a professional tennis tournament here, like a future 10,000. And uh, by the rules of ITF, uh, we we need to have a physio here on site for a week. Would you like to do that? We're going to give you a small extra at the end of the month. He says, this is great, of course. So I did this future and uh, there was love at first uh, sight. This was... Uh, the most amazing experience uh, in my working life and uh, after like 2 3 days i remember calling home and says i know what i want to do the same will be older like i want to be any physio i want to do this this week it has to be every week the reason was i don't know like it was like people of my age i think it was like 23 24 was people of my age uh me i was no maybe i was a little bit younger but still like mm, People of my age from all over the world was like from Brazil, from China, from New Zealand, going in the tennis club that I was going every day to work just for playing tennis and they were getting money they were good in what they were doing. Just this idea for me was like amazing. On top of that, uh, I can really feel that I was making a difference. So, like, somebody was coming for treatments. Ah, oh, you know, today I couldn't really serve, you know, my shoulder sure was bothering me. And uh, because I played tennis when I was a kid, you know, I could, I, I can see, you know, like what was going on and say, yeah, like, I remember, you know, like this, this kind of sensation, let me see if I can help. And then the next day, this guy was, was playing his match, was winning, and I immediately was rushing to, to my office on site. I won, you know, I was like, so excited, but you know, like your shoulder is better, but still it's not 100%, but tomorrow I won't play semifinal, So please, you know, like, help me again, you know, do something similar to, to, to yesterday because like. It made a difference. So after that week, I was on a mission. I said, okay, this has to be my job for the rest of my life. Like, I want to do this every week. So I I start asking around when I was at the tournament I asked supervisor, tennis player, tennis coaches. My train of, of thoughts was, OK, this is like a future 10,000. So it's the lowest professional tournament you can have. And you must have a physio on site. So, what about the slams? What about Wimbledon? What about New York? Of course, they're gonna have physio on site. And uh, that's you know, like I okay, let me speak with these people how they became the physio on site in. US Open in Australia and Open in Wimbledon. So I started doing my research, I started getting a lot of concerts by email and uh, basically there were two ways to become, uh, like, say, tennis physiotherapists. Like either you get hired by ATP who provide the tournaments. Like I am here today in Rotterdam, there is two people on site uh, They work for ATP and their job is like helping every player who plays this tournament. Or you can do like what I'm doing right now, I work currently for a tennis player so this was like the two ways and working atp of course you need experience and also for some being like a private physio of a tennis player you need you you cannot just you know show up and say hey, i did like one future ten thousand. can i work with you you need more experience so like the, the faster way to the experience was doing other future do challengers like and I'm lucky because in Italy, we have a lot of future, a lot of challengers. So I started going around to, to different future and challengers, asking the tournament director, you know, if you need a physio. Like I I, I was trying to provide like the best service possible. And uh, after one year, I think I did between 10 and 20 tournaments between future and challenger. And then... Uh, let's say my name was a little bit around like people knows me, people, yeah this is the guy from Future and Challenge I was the only one who was uh, doing uh, on a regular basis, like Future and Challenge usually you go to I don't know, Milano, there is a local guy who helped for that week and then you will never like the guy has a studio you're never going to see this guy again I was going to Milano yeah, exactly so that's also what helped my name to get around. Is like people recognize me. They say, yeah, I remember you from two weeks ago. Like, why are you here? This is like opposite side of Italy. I said, like, yeah, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to be, you know, like every week at the, at the tournaments. So plus I was I was doing a good job. So I was very passionate. I really like my mission was, okay, you have to be, to try to be as close as possible to 100% to play your match. So people saw that. And then uh, that's how. Then slowly I start getting uh, into the pro tour. Let's say that's the ladder, future challenger, then ATP. And here I am. And you worked with Dominic team. I did work with Dominic team, correct?
1: How long did you work with Dominic for?
0: A little bit. It uh, was like three and a half year, almost four. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so we met in uh, Spain for the first time. He was doing off season over there. I was working at the facility where he was doing the the off season and he asked me to come to Vienna. He was very young. He was like, I think 18 or 19. And he just, start in it was like the year transition in between uh, the junior and the pro so i moved to vienna with him and basically i was working for him and i was working for his coach gunter Bresnik, and his academy so i was based in in the tennis academy so i was able to see uh, all the players of the academy and, and it was an academy who grew up really fast and i was traveling occasionally with dominic That was uh, my my relationship with Dominic. So uh, the first couple of years we were traveling occasionally part time and uh, whenever he was in Vienna, I was there for him and not just for him, but also for the other players practicing with him. And this is like Denis Novak, who also now is doing unbelievable good. He just cracked the top 100 and uh, Sebastian Hofner also is like a very successful Austrian player. Ernest Gulbis was coming there. Uh, I mean, he was based there as well. And uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, junior players.
1: You've worked with a lot of good players. It's a good graduation. And did you know Dominic was going
0: to be as good as he is? To be honest, yes. Like you can tell that he's going to become definitely a top 10 this is like what I, what usually is like my response, you know, like when, when people ask me, okay, what about this guy? What about this guy? What do you think? How far he can get? I cannot tell you that he's going to win a slam or he became number one because you have, you have always to consider, you know, also the other players. You know, you don't know, like maybe in three years, four years, you know, like somebody will pop up with an amazing talent and an amazing body and going to dominate tennis. So for sure you can tell, you could tell that Dominic had like all the potential to become a top 10, maybe more. And uh, that's that's the end of my provision. So it was like, for sure, he's going to become a top 10, maybe a top five. And uh, let's see, you know, also who is going to be around and then I will tell you if you're going to win a slam or not. But uh, definitely you could tell that this was the guy who will stay on the top of the ranking for many, many years.
1: And tell me from your experience working with top players, being around top players, been in the game a long time, what makes players like Dennis and like Dominic special compared to the other guys who won't be top 10 players? Is there one thing that you can say they just...
0: Okay, uh, I mean, uh, so all talent, like these people have something more. These people have uh, something that allows them to do things that normal people cannot do. And Dominic has it, and Dennis probably has even more. So you, this is like, for me, is the, base, is, uh, the, the biggest difference between, let's say, like a, a talented player Let's say um, a not talented player. I mean, like it sounds, it sounds very bad for, at the moment because uh, we're making it between like talented player, and not talented player. But I mean, you can tell that this, these guys has like has something more, something extra that allows them to do more on the tennis court. Then you have to put the work because uh, talent without work goes nowhere so in the case of Dominic for example Dominic was an unbelievable worker and he's still an unbelievable worker so you find the talent and the hard work and you you made a champion and uh, Dennis is on his way Dennis has like an unbelievable talent like extreme unbelievable high talent in tennis and he's putting the work to be to to go to go on the top of course you know now he has to work on the experience so it's it's not this is not easy but uh, is is going there and what is sure recently i think you know like he's proving that he's like he's growing and he's making experience and i think this is just this is just the beginning
1: i agree no it's getting very exciting and there's a very exciting road ahead for him we're going to end this on just two questions i know you have to get back to dennis but two questions two totally different questions. One is on supplements after matches. Is there any supplements that players can take if they don't have access to food that you recommend that really make a difference and help with the recovery?
0: Okay, you're talking about after or during? After. After. Okay, so in Dennis' particular case, we Dennis is sponsored by a Canadian company called Biosteel who provide uh, the let's say the the drinks that he's drinking during the match but also like the recovery drinks that he's using after a match and uh, if uh, like so anything if you have access if you have the possibility to have like like a recovery drink which usually are a mix between protein and carbs so like there is like enough protein to, let's say, regenerate the muscle fiber that you consume during the activity, but also they are like high in carbs, you know, like to, let's say, cover, you know, like the amount of energy that you just used. So any kind of drink like this, it works. Let's say you're like a a hobby player and you, you don't have access to this kind of products, just fruit for me is great. Like anything you're gonna eat that is not heavy, After a match, it works. You know, usually it can be a banana because it's high in potassium and it's helping, you know, like the recovery of the muscle. Dates is a very good sugar to eat during and after the match. And uh, let's say something like a protein bar also. It's uh, after the match is a great way for calories and protein.
1: One other question after this one, but what's more important What I think of it now to Eat first or have your ice bath first?
0: Also depends a lot uh, on, uh, on the situation. But for food, let's say you can wait. Okay, I understand you're going to be hungry, but the ice bath will not take more than 15 minutes.
1: You can have your bar in the in the ice
0: machine. Oh, of course! You know, like if you want like a snack, no problem. Like I had, uh, I had a had situation. I remember U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Dennis was eating his sushi and doing ice buff in the same Lovely. time, very late, man. Yeah, yeah, very late, long match against Andrea Seppi, and uh, so five set uh, finish. I don't know midnight, and I remember we were doing ice buff and eating sushi in the same time. It's very fun, but. Uh, Normal situation, you go first ice bath, again 15 minutes maximum, and then you're gonna have like a proper dinner. But if you do the opposite, if you go dinner and then you go the ice bath, first of all, like this doesn't work. It will be bad for your digestion because like too much cold, especially in the stomach area, this is horrible. Like the ice bath after the match, uh, like your muscle will be in in the moment where like he is uh, full of
1: acid lactic.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like it's it's better. It's like the cool down. It's better doing it immediately. OK, OK. So ice bath first.
1: For people, listen, ice bath first, then food. And Stefano, last question. I think you're one of the more artistic people on the pro tour, as well as being obviously your physio. But the way I found out about you was through your Monday post. You do your Monday breakfast post, which I think are amazing. For those that haven't seen it, they should check out Stefano's Instagram account. What's your Instagram account handle?
0: Uh, it's just my name, Stefano De Pierro. D-E-P-I-R-R-O. I'll put
1: it in the show notes, but check out Stefano's Monday post. They're great. So wherever, he's somewhere new every Monday. And he always puts up a great breakfast post, a pov view of what he's eating at a great location. When did that start?
0: It started, uh, now it's almost three years ago. And uh, I didn't stop since then so I, I I was in Wimbledon and uh, it was on a Monday and I was uh, really happy to be there I was really really happy to be there and uh, I just took a picture of my breakfast and I was uh, on the players la- on the players restaurant in Wimbledon overlooking I think it's court free and uh, anyway like the, the scene was like was very nice so imagine you know like one of the, the first summer days, and I have a cappuccino, I have a croissant, and I was always looking at the call free in Wimbledon. And I just took a picture and just said, I love Monday morning. And the reason behind was that uh, before, when I was uh, in the, the Bresnik Academy in Vienna, I was hearing so many times people complaining about Monday and in the specific of Monday mornings. So it was, ah, man, I hate Monday mornings. There are the wars, there are stuff. And uh, mostly because, you know, like, Maybe you don't like your job or maybe, you know, like you, you wish you're somewhere else. For me, I was in Wimbledon and I was doing what I, what I love to do. And I, I connect the two things, you know, like something pop up in my head and it says, oh, wow, you know, like I'm actually I'm really happy that it's Monday morning. I love Monday morning. Let me take a picture and, and show the world. And uh, these things continue because then the next week, I think I was in uh, Dubai doing... Uh, Preparation. I, I was with Luca pui three years ago, and then you know, like it was a never stopped because every week I was in a different city. And on Monday, I was happy to be there. I was happy to work. I was happy to be at the tournament. And uh, so for an association, with like in the morning, I started doing breakfast picture. And to show that I was around, that I was like in an, in a different place, I was trying to make the picture in an iconic place. Of the city, so that's how I start like the Monday morning. And today is Monday. If you check, I just post a picture of a Rotterdam this morning.
1: I did. I think I liked it. I liked it earlier. It's really good, and it's good to differentiate yourself from everybody out there by doing something unique. And you own that. Like for me, you own that style. You created it, so congratulations. Maybe you need to start selling a t-shirt. I love Monday mornings with a picture of a croissant and Italian breakfast, really. Croissant and cafe. Yeah,
0: a cappuccino and croissant. It sounds perfect.
1: Great. Well, Stefano, thank you very much. Appreciate all the inside information and how you got started. And best of luck in the match tonight and also for the rest of the year.
0: Thank you very much. It was fun doing this podcast with you and I hope people like it. Grazie. Grazie.
1: Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Great to see Stefano's perspective on the game and his day-to-day work. Really interesting. I actually looked at the physiotherapy route after I graduated from high school. But as Stefano says it's extremely difficult to get into those courses in university. Obviously, I wasn't dedicated enough to find other ways of getting into it. But hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back next week as usual. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on next week's show. But until then, get out there, play some tennis and enjoy it. Bye.